Hello and welcome to the Men's Health Matters podcast. I'm Rob Klein from the Freemasons Foundation, which has proudly partnered with the University of Adelaide to create the Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health. The centre supports young scientists who are dedicated to undertaking research, addressing some of the biggest health issues important to men. So far, we have produced hundreds of research publications and initiatives which make a difference in everything from depression and sexual health to heart disease and prostate cancer. The Men's Health Matters podcast series showcases some of our current research which is aimed at advancing the health and well-being of all Australian men. And now, here's your host, Cameron Giss, to take you through it. Welcome again, everyone. Today on the podcast, we feature PhD candidate and recipient of a Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health Scholarship, Phoebe Drioli-Felix. Phoebe's research interests in men's health and health-related communications, health-seeking behaviours and health service utilisation. Today, we discuss Phoebe's research on the issue of anxiety in men, and in particular, how they talk about anxiety online. This is an extremely informative podcast and very useful for anyone out there suffering from anxiety. So without further delay, here is my discussion with Phoebe. Welcome again to the Men's Health Matters podcast. Today we'll be talking about anxiety in men with PhD candidate Phoebe Drioli-Phillips, who is doing some really interesting research on this topic. Um, Thanks for coming on the show today, Phoebe. Thanks for having me. I think a good place to start would be to talk a a little bit about your background um, and how you got involved in in research regarding anxiety. Um, Well, I did an undergrad uh, in science. I did a science degree. One of my majors was psychology. And um, during one of my summer vacations, I did a scholarship with the Freemasons, um, a summer vacation research scholarship, mainly just to make a little bit of money over summer, to be honest, but it was just so so interesting I sort of got hooked and did it every summer after that throughout my undergrad um then went on to honours and yeah now I'm doing my PhD so yeah cool um with regards to anxiety I started off uh looking at uh depression in men um in honours and I just um have started looking at anxiety this year mainly because there's just very very little um out there with regards to men's sort of subjective experiences with anxiety there's so much focus on depression but very little on anxiety and I just thought that was really interesting yeah so um in regards to anxiety could you talk a little bit about kind of the impact that anxiety can have on men and their health um I mean I think it's really difficult it's it's um it's one of those things that to an extent it's a normal human experience of course everyone experiences anxiety at some point um but when it gets to you know, uh, a level at which we would diagnose it as, you know, generalised anxiety disorder or whatever, it really just infiltrates all areas of your life and it can just make things just difficult. You feel it in your body, it uh, affects your work, it affects your social life, it yeah, affects all parts of your life. Yeah, so when you say you feel it in your body, you mean the kind of physiological effects? Yeah, there are really strong physiological effects of anxiety, even um, things that you wouldn't typically associate with anxiety like muscle pains and so on so yeah it affects everything yeah um and if you know anyone listening has you know problems with anxiety mm-hmm. what would your um advice be yeah oh, i would just advise you to go talk to someone start somewhere the sooner you start talking about it the you know the sooner you can start acting on it 
Um, so your GP, um, the psychologist, even um, I do my research on forums. So there are lots of online sort of sources of support, which can be a great start if you just want to practice talking about it before you're sitting face to face with someone. Yeah. yeah so your research um, is covering anxiety and how that's kind of spoken about in mm-hmm. online forums. Yeah. Um, could you just give like a bit of an overview about your research project and, and why is it important, why it's important for mental health? Yeah, sure. So we're looking, we're doing an analysis of uh, forum posts that we collect from uh, forums designed for people to provide support for each other with regards to their depression and anxiety. Um, And the reason that we're doing that is because what we know from existing research is that men get diagnosed at a much lower rate than women with anxiety. We don't know really if that's because they experience it at a lower rate or if we're missing something in regards to how we're diagnosing men and and picking up men who are struggling. And part of the reason we think that that might be the case is because there's this lower rate of um, diagnosis of men with depression and anxiety, but men commit suicide at a much, much higher rate than do women. So that sort of suggests that there are quite a large group of men who are slipping through the cracks with regards to our mental health um, sort of services. So what we're trying to do is figure out how men uh, off their own back seek help. Um, so not just how they respond to interview questions or how they respond to questionnaires, but how they um, put together their own request to help um, from their peers. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, what have you found so far with the research? Um, It's sort of in the early stages, but what I've found really interesting is just the sheer number of men posting on anxiety forums. They, um, from what I've seen so far, actually outnumber the women posting, which is interesting in itself and maybe indicates that uh, it's easier for men to talk online than it is face-to-face. We find a lot of interesting things with regards to um, sort of men and what it means to be a man and what it means to be a man with anxiety and particularly what that means for um, their roles as workers, as fathers, as husbands and so on. So that is, yeah, quite interesting as well. Yeah. Um, so so this kind of project is stemming out of um, potential problems of self-report data? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what we're trying to counter is the... Um, you know, there are some limitations with self-report data, uh, like social desirability. Um, you know, the, the argument could be made that in responding to interviewers' questions, men are not actually relaying their own preferences for healthcare, um, but they're just saying what they know is expected of them as men. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is figure out how men just talk about it without um, their talk being in response to a specific question. That's how they choose to frame it. Yeah, cool. And so I guess that's one of the benefits of having a more naturalistic study design. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So we use naturalistic data. So, I mean, yeah, we hope that that gives us maybe more of an insight into the way men want to talk about their experiences and what their experiences actually are. Yeah. So I guess, like, regarding the kind of analysis of, of the, the content on the online forums, you'd be kind of delving into the area of discursive psychology. Yes. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that and why? Um, So discursive psychology is really concerned with the social organisation of talk. 
Um, so what that means, and there are th- sort of three key tenets of discursive psychology. What we look at is the function, the variation, and construction. So function means that when we talk, it's not just a direct relay from what's going on in our heads and then we speak it. There's actually we're trying to achieve functions when we speak, so we're trying to convince Um, persuade, justify, blame we're not just relaying exactly what's going on in our heads Um, then the second principle variation means that um, discourse or or talk is really variable and it depends on its function so depending on what you're trying to achieve with your talk there's going to be a lot of variation and one person can you know tell the same story in multiple different ways depending on what they're trying to achieve with that talk Um, And then the third construction involves the idea that different versions of the world can be constructed um, through the selection and inclusion of different resources within talk. So what we're hoping is looking at the different ways that men speak about their anxiety and the different functions that it appears that they're trying to achieve with this talk. We can get a little bit of insight into really what's at stake for men with anxiety um, and what they're trying to achieve, how they choose to seek help and looking for, you know, perhaps some phrasings that uh, health professionals might be able to pick up on um, and so on. Yeah, Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, And using this kind of discursive psychology approach and looking at, you know, what's going on in the online forums, how is this research going to be kind of translated um, into kind of practical things? Yeah, sure. Well, to begin with, I mean, we're just hoping that we... Um, we understand a little bit more about how men seek help because we don't really know that very much um, beyond what they tell us in interviews, which is, we've just said, you know, sort of has its limitations. Um, And what we also know about men is that they, you know, from what we know already, um, they prefer to seek help about these sort of difficult to discuss issues, depression and anxiety from their peers or from their lay networks rather than doctors. So doctors and psychologists and so on won't be the first port of call typically for men. Um, So in order to sort of, you know, enable men to seek help more, what we first need to look at is how they talk to their lay networks about it. So really first we just need to understand how this happens so then we might have a little bit of insight into how we might um, set up you know, services, peer support services, whether it be online or offline. Um, yeah, so that would be the first sort of translation of this research. And sort of um, in the longer term, it would be great if we could figure out a little bit more um, with like public health messaging, what sort of thing uh, do men need to hear? Um, what do they want to hear? How do they themselves understand their anxiety when you're advertising mental health services it has to strike a chord with someone to have some effect so we need to know how they themselves experience it yeah Yeah. so what um i just think that yeah it's a really interesting point and um just thinking about discursive psychology as a principle like Mm -hmm. um, as a discipline Mm -hmm. and how that's affected public health messaging in the mental health space yeah um would you be able to talk on that at all um i mean it's it's funny because it's a it's a little offshoot of qualitative research in a way um, and because of the way we sort of critique more mainstream uh, ways of doing research like questionnaires and, and interviews, I'm sure that there's a little bit of tension between you know areas of qualitative research. 
Um, but I'd like to think that it's influenced public health messaging. But um, yeah, I'm not not exactly sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a pretty difficult question. Yeah. I think. Um, so uh, you've mentioned the kind of public health messaging as mm-hmm. a um, you know potential use of, of your research. Um, where else can you kind of see your research going in the next you know two or two five years or ten years or if you stay in the area? Um, oh gosh, that's a good one. The PhD itself seems pretty large yeah. <laughs> right now. I'd really um, like to do a little bit on uh, the challenges of fathering online because I think that's another area where um, it's there's not often a forum through which men can easily talk about their experiences. It's easier for women to seek help with regards to their parenting. So I'd like to have a little um, bit of a look at that and see how men support each other and see how we could you know have that happen in a more effective way yeah cool yeah um in regards to i guess the work you're doing are there any kind of um collaborations that that are happening within your research um well of course i'm uh, got some support from the freemasons so we're always you know chatting between us it's um multidisciplinary so that's really fantastic and that we're hoping to um possibly talk to maybe some helplines like lifeline um, as I said, this is all in the early stages, but we'd like to also have a look at um, some chat lines and see how men talk, uh, you know, the next steps. So not online, not face-to-face, but over the phone and see what happens there next. So there is a little bit of talk of that. Yeah. So in regards to um, male anxiety mm-hmm. um, and the way they kind of express mm-hmm. um, problems with that, how does that differ from, from females? I think that's one of the big things that we're really trying to look at. Um, As I said earlier, there seems to be some uh, issue with regards to picking up men who are struggling because we have such a large disparity in um, rates of diagnosis between men and women, but men commit suicide so much more frequently, tragically. Um, So what we think is there may be some signs of emotional distress that just are not part of our diagnostic criteria. Um, for example, with the in the DSM, which is sort of the, the go-to guide for diagnosing uh, mental health conditions, a symptom of depression is tearfulness. And that's not something you would typically see from men uh, with depression. What you um, appear to be more likely to see is um, irritability. And th- but that's not um, sort of such an important that's not used so frequently as one of the diagnostic criteria so what we're really trying to do is figure out how men themselves report their own experiences so we can figure out if there's anything that we can do to make sure that men get diagnosed more frequently yeah so once they're diagnosed I guess that that's the first step in, yeah, a, yeah. in a long process yeah for sure so I think um, overall like the key idea of this and what we really hope to achieve is to just get a deeper understanding of how men introduce and discuss and seek support for their anxiety um, from peers in a naturalistic context, not in a health context or a healthcare context necessarily, with their peers off their own back. We think this is really important and necessary in creating more male-friendly health services and enhancing outcomes for men with anxiety. Yeah, well, you're doing doing a great job doing this kind of research. Um, And, yes, I'd just like to thank you for coming on the show today, Phoebe. Thanks for having me. Um, If people have any questions about what we've been talking about or your uh, specific research, how can they get in contact with you? 
Um, well, they could talk to me or either of my supervisors. I'm working with Associate Professor Amanda Lacatur at the um, School of Psychology and Dr. Beck Theo, who's in the School of Nursing. Um, so you could talk to any of the three of us. Um, my email, if that helps, is phoebe.driolephillips at adelaide.edu.au. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again, Phoebe. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Phoebe, for coming on the show today and sharing your expertise in this area. Also, a big thanks to everyone listening in and supporting our podcast. If you think you might be suffering from anxiety or depression, please visit Beyond Blue's website for more information at www.beyondblue.org.au. Please tune in to our next podcast with senior sleep researcher, Dr. Sarah Appleton. And if you enjoy what we're doing, help us out by subscribing on iTunes and by following us on Instagram at menshealthmatters underscore au. If you want to support the research we do at the centre, then men can get involved in our research by signing up to the Men's Health Register. Head to our website at www.adelaide.edu.au forward slash men's health for more info. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Cheers.